Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan, and I will be your host. It was so hard to say goodbye to the big black unicorn on the wall in Expense Robot's office that we decided to stay for one more episode. Today, we talked to co-founder and head of sales, Lars Mangelsdorf, about B2B sales. After his apprenticeship, Lars worked his way up to become a real sales champion through various stations, including Beekeeper. For each completed sale, there is a separate deal cowbell in the office, which is swung loudly when new sales are generated. We want to know from Lars what tips he has in store so that other startups can ring the bells as often as possible. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SBB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at sbbstartup.com. Lars, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Sevan. Thanks for having me. Today, we're going to talk about B2B sales, about your best practices and tips for other startups. The first question I want to ask you is, what common mistakes do you see other Swiss startups making in the B2B sales area? So I think uh, um, we've heard it a lot already in, uh, in other episodes that the Swiss people oftentimes do not really sell. They do more consulting and they need to learn more about the, the American selling. Um, so not only, you know, building a great product and think it's going to sell itself, but really sell it and, and uh, bring value to your customers with every touch point. I hope that they can take some learnings away from this episode because we're going to deconstruct the sales process. Um, to start there, you know, sometimes you even have to take a step back and ask yourself, does it actually make sense to even have a sales team who's going actively after uh, deals and wanting to close them? Is there like a minimum deal size where you say above that it makes sense to have a sales team and below that it's better to not have a sales team? Also depends of your product, obviously. So some products is, is uh, you're targeting um, the enterprise accounts and maybe other products you're targeting um, the SMEs in Switzerland where we have a lot. I think um, it's more, you will, you will feel when the time is here where you can really build up a sales team is when you start closing deals. You see there's a lot of um, interest in the market. And um, I think a, a good rule for that is when you feel that there is, um, that you as a as as an entrepreneur as a as a one man show cannot um, sell sell into that market anymore on your own. So you need to to have backup. And um, I mean, uh, when you're alone and you're you're building up uh, your customer base and you're you're doing outbound prospecting, and uh, and there there will come this this point where you feel that uh, you're working on so many deals at the same time that you cannot do any more outbound. So that's right. the point where you really need a sales team. So really going after the pain and not before uh, exactly. is a good example there. So let's look at the B2B sales process. Usually you start with the prospecting uh, stage uh, where you need to think about whom you actually contact, who would be a, a good fit for you in, in theory. How do you go about that? Usually you create like a buyer persona, a target client. How do you get to the right buyer persona? Yeah, exactly. So. I think the, the most important thing when you uh, start selling your product is to really find out who is the person I'm selling to in the, in the target 
um, industry. Uh, once you find out who that person is, or it could be more than one person, um, uh, you, you need to, to, um, to find out how can I get in touch with this person? Is it a good idea to just send out an email? Um, do I need to uh, get the phone in my head and do a phone call? And it's actually uh, a thing that not many Swiss startups do. So there's quite a, a good uh, space for, for cold calling. Or do I have to attend events to get to those personas? Can you also maybe walk us a bit through a practical example, how you did that at Expense Robot? I think we learned in the first episode where we talked to Melanie that you sell to CFOs, that they are like your, your target client that you go after. Can you tell us about how you actually developed and also validated that, you know, that other startups can learn from that and adapt sort of the blueprint that you used? It was super easy, actually. So we just, uh, we just uh, called them. <laughs> And uh, you'd be surprised how many CFOs actually picked up the phone and called them. So it was a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, there are some companies, bigger accounts. Uh, some of them are already our clients where we did some really, really, you know, things other startups would not do. Like so, what, for example? Yeah, I will share one example. So um, it's, uh, it's something I can really recommend to, to anyone. I hope not everyone will do it now because um, then the magic goes away. Right, but yeah. if there's like this, this one account that you really want to win, mm -hmm. uh, you have to be totally different than others. So you have to think about something you do that they will never, ever forget you. So what you can do, for example, is that you, uh, you get a box, you put in a shoe into that box, you send it to the buying persona, like the CFO in our case, with a short letter, like, um, hey, Mr. XY, I hope uh, you understand my sense of humor and this braveness. Um, look at this as a sign for I'm having my foot in your door and I'd be happy if you let me in and to get my shoe back. So, you know, something like this. Because if a CFO or, or a, a buying persona receives something like this, they will go to the secretary and be like, hey, look what this guy just sent me, look what, what, what he did. And I guarantee you, you will have a 95% um, conversion rate with this technique. Holy cow. Or with yeah. something like this. I mean, it doesn't have to be a shoe, but just, you know, do something else. Show them that you really want to, to speak to them. Yeah. Now the Swiss Post needs to get ready for delivering more shoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's actually a very fun way of uh, going about that. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, that someone like a CFO or CEO or whoever your bank persona is in the, in, the, in the management level, they receive tons of emails every day. Yes. They don't receive that many phone calls like we always think they do. Mm -hmm. So I would always suggest to just try to call them. You'll be surprised how many uh, will really pick up the phone. But if, if that doesn't work, you just need to go, to go another way. Um, you can also wait downstairs uh, for them and pick them up when they go to lunch and ask yeah. them um, if you can have a meeting with them or something like that. Or, you know, there are so many ways and, and we need to be more creative. If you have this first contact, let's say, for example, over the phone, what do you actually tell them? What do you pitch them? Do you pitch your product? Do you ask questions? What do you say in the, in the first contact that you have with them? So I think when you have the first contact, when you really have this person on the phone, it's not the best idea to go right into selling, but more uh, into asking questions. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, at ExpenseRobot, I always ask them like uh, that if they can help me, because I would like to know more about their current expense process and learn more about their current challenges and how the perfect expense, expense tool uh, looks in their eyes, if they can tell me more about it. Right. 
because they people they love uh, talking they love telling about their problems and uh, then you can you know you can tell them look i got a solution for you and um, would you be interested in scheduling a demo for one hour could we meet us but never you know like start pitching your product good, that's uh, what i would suggest good <laughs> recommendation yeah so then for the first call, for the first outreach.eu, the goal would be to get more time from them and not directly pitching your product first, asking questions, learning more, and getting the permission to have more time of them where you can then eventually pitch the product. Exactly. And then I would always recommend if you if you get someone on the phone that you're informed about what they do, um, you know, find out as much as you can and tell them like, hey, I saw that you have so many employees in those countries i guess you have a lot of travelers and i would like to learn more about how do you handling xy today and if you can tell me more about it and you know do you also segment the companies that you reach out to like by company size by employee size or by different geographies that they're active where you say these companies are more attractive for us compared to others for example yeah i think um when, when you're in a startup and you have your first customers, it's, it's always easier to go into the same industry that you're already in because you can say, hey, we already work with company XY and they're super happy. And uh, this could maybe also benefit you, our solution. And um, of course, also geographically. I mean, if you're a Swiss startup and you, you have your first customers in the, in the Swiss market, it also makes sense to focus on the Swiss market before you know going out to uh, Germany uh, Austria, etc. But once you have this this nice base in Switzerland, like like we have now, we're of course also focusing on on the countries around Switzerland. And one other important aspect is where do you actually get the contact details of your potential customers? How do you do that? Any yeah. tools, hacks, or recommendations? <laughs> so there are a lot of tools and hacks out there, and and I can recommend some. So I think um, the 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 easiest tool to start with is um, Sales Navigator of LinkedIn. So there you can easily segment by the, the persona you're looking for and geographically. So there are a lot of filter options and that's really good. And so for the entrepreneurs out there, there's a free trial of Sales Navigator. So use it wisely. It's one month where you can uh, uh, do everything uh, for free. Exactly. And then also um, one tool I really, I really love and it's also for free up to 50 searches a month. It's called um, Hunter. Okay. Yeah. So Hunter is a Chrome extension. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're on the website, you can just um, click the Hunter um, extension button and it will show you all the email addresses they found on the website. You can also look up for persons there and it will also show you on which websites uh, they found that particular email address. So that's also a cool thing to say, hey, I read the article XY on this page and there I found your email address and I connected you directly. Yeah. Would you recommend startups, you know, some uh, think about like buying leads from, I don't know, address directories and so on. Would you recommend doing that? I would not recommend doing that in the beginning because um, if you want to buy high quality leads, you have to take a lot of money in your hands right. because there's a, a lot of <laughs> crap leads out there. Yes. So um, I would uh, really focus on, on you know, the, the low-hanging fruits in that case instead of buying leads. And one, one challenging question there is, you know, I, I heard that you prefer the phone, um, but with the phone, you also have just, you know, so much time available to do the calls. And people might say, you know, setting up a cold email campaign or just sending out emails, this is way more effective because I can get so, I contact so much more leads than I can reach by phone. 
what would you answer them? Is it's it absolutely true? Okay, <laughs> it's absolutely true. So I think if you if you are on this green field where you have a lot of opportunities there, um, it makes sense to have this um, this sequence to contact like you know the the smaller companies or the mid-sized companies and for the you know for the really sweet fruits the big accounts you need to have a, a, an account strategy so you start calling them you do personalized emails for them you send them shoes or anything <laughs> but you know for the others it's it's uh, you're absolutely right it makes sense to have a sequence in place um, to to be more Productive. So they basically differentiate between the potential ticket size, the potential deal size. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all depends on, on what you're selling. You know, I, I've spoken to startups, they, they only want to sell into like five accounts. That's their goal, those five accounts. Then right. it doesn't make sense to have, you know, sequences. But you if better you send have shoes. A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you send shoes. There. Um, we also talked about a bit the, the qualifying part, you know, the, the first contact that you have, either via email or via phone to ask questions. Mm -hmm. How do you then actually determine whether you should also push it forward to the next level and when it might not be a good fit? So I think qualification is key because if you don't qualify right, you will spend more time in the sales process and you will potentially uh, lose more deals because you didn't qualify right. So I think it's very important to, uh, to make sure that the person that you're talking to, that they can make decisions or that they can take the decision makers on board, mm -hmm. that they have maybe already a project. So you know that there's already a, a planned date where they want to implement the solution uh, or they want to buy. And um, also that, uh, yeah, that, that they have, you know, like some kind of budget, that they have money, that they have, you know, yeah. that they're looking for something like this. It doesn't make sense, you know, to, to, to set up a meeting if they, if they already tell you that they don't have any budget to, to buy something. Sure, which is be a waste of time exactly. for all parties involved. Exactly. Usually the next, the third stage is the demo stage, uh, where you actually get more time, uh, you can present your solution. What should be like the way that you do that? Do you go there in person? Do you do a, a webinar or a Zoom call? What's the best way to deliver a demo? So if you're in this lucky position that you have so many requests, um, you can do it on Zoom. But if you're in this beginning stage where you maybe not have that many demos, I recommend to go on site, even if they are small, just to go on site to, to meet those person. Because um, sales is all based on, on human interaction. And when you meet people and, and you can build up this relationship and, uh, and, and you're, you're meeting, you know, people, you know, your buying persona in the industry, they can also give you referrals to, to other people in the same industry. Right. So it's really important in the beginning to, um, to get into that, you know, industry and, and, and meet the people there. Yeah. It also just probably increases the, the chances of success, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, now during these Corona times, we're, we have to do everything on Zoom. And, and I mean, it's absolutely possible for, for SaaS. It's not a problem. You can show everything on Zoom. Um, but still, there's this one thing which you cannot, you know, it's, it's like the, the chemistry they feel. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about going on site. And what should actually be the content of the demo? What do you show them there? Do you also ask any specific questions about how to move forward and to qualify them further? Yeah, I think that's, that's actually, I think that's the demo. It's always called demo, but I mean, it's not about, you know, demoing your product and every single feature you have because 
most of the time you have a, a lot of features, yeah. but the challenges they have, it's just a part of, of the features that you present. So exactly. I think it's really important when you're in the demo and, and that's how I like to, to start my demo because you have more than one person usually mm -hmm. uh, listening to your demo. I, I like to ask them, how, um, how does the perfect tool looks for you? How would you describe the perfect tool? And then they tell you. So write these things down. And uh, another tip here is write them down uh, by hand on a notebook. Nice. Do not uh, you know, type something, uh, not that they think that you're replying to your emails <laughs> during the, the meeting. And once you have everything together and you have involved every person and they told you about their challenges and how the perfect tool looks for them, mm -hmm. you have to focus really on, on those points and ask them, like, does this help you? Does this solve your challenge X, Y? Do you see yourself using this? And, and then you get a lot of yeses, you know, and that's what you need. And um, <clears throat> I would always say if you're, if you, the, like your first sentence um, when you're opening the meeting should be, thanks a lot for having me here. And the goal of this meeting is to give you an overview of our product XY and to see if this could be a fit for your company. Because at the end you will ask the question, is this a fit for your company? And if you do the things right and you, you're focusing on, on their points, they will give you a yes, and then you can move forward. Awesome. And how do you actually move forward then? What's the next step? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. Sometimes there are a lot of questions open. It also depends on your product again, if it's easy to implement or not. You know, sometimes you have a lot of questions about integrations. You know, um, companies tend to like integrate everything into one product. They always want to have everything from one hand. So it's also your job as a, as a salesperson to, you know, to not have your deals delayed because they want to integrate everything and wait for this or that product that they will buy sometime the next quarter. So to, to tell them to just start. And um, yeah, so, you know, the next step should always be, um, you know, what brings you closer to, to, to closing this deal. Mm -hmm. So if it is a call with your tech team to discuss the implementation, do it. And if it is to send a quote, for them to start, you know, small, then do it. Yeah. So usually it's a very individualistic uh, approach there, but it's most often follow up and follow up, right? Yes. Yes. It's uh, <laughs> you will always have a lot of follow ups. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything as like too much follow ups, you know, where you actually don't add any value, but start to bother people? That's a good point. So every and I mean, every follow up you do, you should deliver value and not just follow up because, you know, your boss told you to right. do or or <laughs> Salesforce popped up like, you know, sometimes when, when, when someone tells you like, hey, during this times COVID, we have a lot of other stuff. We're laying off people. Maybe it's not a good time to, to do a, a lot of follow ups. So um, in this case, I would also not not be, you know, very. Um, how do you say in, in, in English the word afteringlich? Uh, not very pushy. Yeah, not very pushy, maybe in, in, in that case. Um, but um, you know, for example, if if they if if they told you about um, something they they miss in your product and you you have built this feature, of course, you do a follow-up, you tell them, you tell them, hey, look what we built, you told us last time, you need this, what do you think about it? And um, you know, also if they if they post something on, on LinkedIn or you see them liking mm -hmm. something, you can, you can, uh, you can speak, you can uh, follow up with them. Of course, I would always do. I would always use this, uh, these opportunities.
you know, I, I can imagine that sometimes it's not so easy to understand when you are actually delivering value to them and when it's more like a, a self-promotion or just a, an annoying follow-up. Yeah. So how do you realize that you're actually delivering value in your follow-up? You have any more good examples besides the new feature that you developed? Yeah. So I think uh, we have to go a little bit uh, back into the process for this. So I think what's really important, and, and I, I saw many um, salespeople um, are not doing this. So. I think it's very important that with every touch point you have had, that you define a next step, that you tell them like, okay, when can you deliver this? Or when do you think is a good time to, to catch up on this? Right. And then you, you, you set a date in your calendar. And the best thing is that you send them a, an invite directly. So you both have it on your calendar. It's always good to tell them like, hey, I know you're super busy. I'm also super busy. So let's put something in our calendar so we, we won't miss it. I mean, that's, that's, that's the good thing about, you know, um, putting stuff in people's calendars because they have it on their screen and, yes. and you don't have to do these annoying follow-ups. And suddenly you're, you become a priority because you're in their calendar, right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Awesome. You know, also in terms of following up, um, then it can, especially in Switzerland, sometimes be that they say, yeah, you know, it's a cool product and so on. We're still interested, but then never follow through. Is there any, you know code or any tip how you can actually recognize if someone is really interested in buying your product or if they are just not saying no out of politeness mm -hmm. and you waste your time there. I think this is a very Swiss, Swiss-ish thing, you know, to not, you, you don't want to say, say the harsh truth to someone. So sometimes you need to find out. And for that, I recommend using your silver bullets or golden bullets or however you want to call them. So I think there, there comes this this um, point in the process where you feel you, you cannot really move on, like like there is a wall you cannot break through, right. it makes sense to to ask them directly, like, what does it need that we can move forward? Or what does it need that we can work together? And tell them, like, we would like to work together with you. And mm -hmm. um, I see, you know, we cannot move forward. There's something in the way. I just wanted to ask you, can you tell me what, what does it need, you know? That's a good question to ask. Yeah. Is there anything else that you could do in order to speed up a process in terms of follow-up? You know, it can also take ages, maybe not ages, but months and weeks. Yeah. Again, I mean, it, it depends on the situation you are in. Um, sometimes you can, but also this, I mean, it, it, it can also be dangerous, but sometimes you can tell them like there's a limited offer and uh, that you, you, you go down by price because there is this, you know, end of quarter special price right. or anything. But, but it can also be, you know, um, once you start doing that, uh, it, it can also be a pain in the future, you know, because you, you have to be able to, um, to, 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 to make these clarifications later when someone asks you, hey, why does this customer have this price or, you know, so, um, but it, it depends, it really depends on, on the, the company and, uh, and the reason why, why you think it's, it's uh, still sitting there and not moving forward. Also in terms of the timing of sending out the proposal, um, is there like a perfect moment for sending it out where you also increase the chances of actually closing the deal? Yes. So, um, I think. The, the best time to send out the proposal is, is right away, if you can, if you have all the information you need. But that's important. You need to have all the information. Otherwise, your proposal is no one takes it seriously. I mean, and that's also the, the beautiful thing. If someone calls you and says, I want to know what your product costs, you can tell them, I need to know more about how you're doing it today, how many people you are, what systems you have. So um, 
so that's also a, a, a good door opener for a, for an on-site meeting. Um, if you have all the information you need to, to create um, a proposal, I would do it right away. And you said a couple things like how many people you are and so on. What do you actually, what information should you have before you can actually send out a proposal? So I'm now about, you know, SaaS. It's, it's of course different than in other um, industries, but you need to know how many licenses. Uh, so that's why you ask how many users. In our case, you, you need to know how many people um, do have expenses, mm -hmm. um, how many credit cards they have. You know, you need to really know their process today so you can calculate what they you know what they will save with your solution that's also important to do and um, then of course uh, all the the system landscape because you have this uh, implementation costs the one-offs that you have to quote so you need to really know what what products are they using today you know along the sales process you can usually also also use like different resources like case studies or templates and so on what makes sense from your perspective to use as a support material along the process? So in the, in the process, um, you will need some, some documents you, you always need. So for SaaS, again, um, I think it's really important to have something like a data security white paper because you will come to this point where some uh, DPO uh, will come and will say, hey, um, stop this. Uh, I need to know more about the, the data security. And then it, it makes sense to, to send them something. Sure. So they see um, that you already have, you know, that you already have made thoughts about data security and you have something in place. And what I think is the, the number one um, collateral you will need is a, is a one pager. Just a one pager of, of what your, your company is doing, what your product, pro product is solving, which, which challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Should you also have like any testimonials or quotes from existing customers up there? If you have them, yes. Okay. Yes. So on our first one pager, we didn't have any <laughs> customers. So we had no uh, quotes on there. But once you have customers and you have sure. testimonials, yeah, put them on your one pager. Uh, a famous trick of the sales team is also selling something before it actually even exists. I think you also have some experience in, in that regard. Can you tell us more about it? <laughs> yes, of course. So um, it's, I, think, I think if you're doing this, it's important that you can deliver. So here for the records, we can deliver if we promise you something. Sure. <laughs> so we were always able to deliver it. So yeah, um, I think um, the, that's, and that's something also when you see Americans when they sell versus Swiss people and the Americans always sell things they, they do not have. So, I mean, it, it depends on, on, the, on, the, on the size of, of this account you want to close. So if it's a, a huge customer or a big name for your logo wall, and you have to do whatever it takes to, to get this customer on board. Right. So At least from the sales perspective, not necessarily from the tech team perspective. <laughs> well, Davis and his team, uh, uh, we, we, we really like each other because, um, I mean, I, I always tell them what I promised and, um, and I make sure that they can, of course, deliver it. I mean, you cannot prom promise anything that they obviously can't um, deliver. But um, uh, I mean... You, you got to be careful with this. Don't promise anything that they don't necessarily need if it's just like a nice to have. But if they say, you know, um, this is the one feature we need to, to work together, yeah. you have to commit them that feature with a date. And Is there any specific uh, question technique that you use to actually find out whether it's a nice to have or a must have for them? Yeah, so... Um, Sometimes you can ask them, like, is this a deal breaker? 
Um, uh, if they tell you yes, then you have to. I mean, sometimes it, it. Sometimes it's you know. Sometimes you can't just tell them like, okay, we're gonna make it. But you tell them like, hey, I will check this with my tech team if if it's possible, if we can do it, and what the timeline is, etc. And if you then do the follow up again, you have a, you can deliver value, of course, exactly. and um, maybe you can always sh already show them some mockups of the of the feature you built, and you can send it over. So it it makes it more you know credible instead of you just telling them like, okay, yeah, we're gonna build it. So what else do you need? Okay, we'll build, <laughs> we build. You know, it's sort of wish list. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Something that you also faced with expense robot is basically you know in the space that you're active in. You also have to win deals against big corporates that are basically going after the same same deals as you are. How can you actually win the deals as a young startup, basically, or yeah, now more growing and more evolving startup against the big corporates that have just you know a bigger brand and probably also more trust because they've been there for ages. Yes, sometimes it's just it feels like magic. You're, you you go there, you pitch. I mean, you had a great pitch, but you still you're like, oh, I'm competing against you know like big companies with you know big sales teams. They go to the meetings with you know like six or seven people. You're there two or three, and um, I think um, what what your advantage as an entrepreneur is that you are your product. So you're you know you are the team behind it, and and if you're if you're just, you know, an employee of a big, big company and it's just, you know, a small deal versus you are a startup and you need every single deal and you want to win this deal, you're pitching different than others. And, and the, 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 the companies, you know, they, they really like this. They like to feel that you really want to work with them. So I think it's really, really um, important to tell them how much you you would love to to work with with them on this project? I think this also shows in the sparkle in the eyes, if you can call it Absolutely. that way. Absolutely, your passion, your energy is probably way different from someone just working for a co corporate company that is not their own company. Absolutely, and that's why you should always go on site if possible. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. No, along the sales process, usually you also focus on KPIs uh, that you want to track, that you want to focus on and improve. What are the most important KPIs from your perspective that a sales team or a sales process should focus on? So I think that the, the most important uh, KPI ever is, is your, uh, your AR versus target. So where are you standing? What do you need to, uh, to hit your numbers? And then um, there are some, some other KPIs that are really important to always know where you're standing. I think one super underrated KPI, but one of my favorite KPIs is the conversion rate. Mm -hmm. So... There are different conversion rates, of course, but for a salesperson, once you have this deal you're working on, what is your conversion rate? How many do you close of them? Right. So you've got to make sure that you're around 30%, maybe. That's a, that's a pretty good number. From first contact to close. Not from first contact, but from, you know, once there's an opportunity, you have a meeting, you can go on site, that you close uh, yeah. at least uh, three out of ten. Otherwise, the sales rep is not paying for him or herself. Well... That's that's of course another KPI again. Um, you need to track how you know how much uh, revenue is this person bringing in. Um, of course, I mean if you're working for one year 
only on one single deal, but that deal is like uh, 5 million AOR. Sure, of yeah. course. Yeah, but I think, and also that, I think if, you're, if, you, if you have your, your, your sales funnel, it's important to have different sizes of accounts sitting in there. Not only the big ones that will need, you know, one year to close, but also that you have these quick wins that will boost your motivation and uh, that will help you also um, close those bigger deals faster because you have more clients they can maybe give you an intro to someone they know in, in that account. So it's really important to have, to have a, a nice mixture of... of uh, and also more experience and more self-esteem because you know that you can close deals, I absolutely, guess. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Is there any ratio that you would uh, recommend in terms of small deals to, to big deals that you should focus on? So there's no ratio I can uh, recommend. I mean, um, the, the, the good thing is uh, that I have uh, Melanie in my team. So uh, we get inbounds as well. So you don't have to do everything outbound. So you will anyways get deals every day or every week into your pipeline. Uh, and those you, you, you take, I mean, if, 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 uh, if they fit uh, to your solution, uh, you take them. And so you also have your sequences. So going out of, of those uh, low-hanging fruits and then you're focusing on, on the big ones. So I think... Um, I think one third of, 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 of your amount in the, in the funnel should be big accounts and two thirds should be a, a mixture between, you know, medium and, and, uh, and smaller accounts maybe. So you, you don't have like a big, huge risk factor with just one big company, but are still a bit more diversified. Exactly. exactly. I would always diversify if, if possible. Yeah. Now, one of the favorite areas of doing sales are the tools that you can use. Uh, the first question is about the CRM. What CRM system would you recommend? So for startups, I would recommend using HubSpot. There's a free version that's already really, really good that you can use. And they also offer startup packages. So the cool thing about HubSpot is, I mean, of course, Salesforce um, is also a very, very good tool. It's just <laughs> a, bit <more laughs> a bit more expensive. But uh, the cool thing with HubSpot is that you can keep track of everything you do. So every email you send out via Gmail gets logged. You have all your contacts in there. Um, your meetings get logged that you book with, uh, with the meeting link you have in there. So it really gives you this, this nice overview about everything you're working on. And you can log all your tasks, all your follow-ups you have. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think, one of the first tools that you should get when you, when you start selling. It's all you need to get started. Yes. yes. What are other tools that you recommend using? I mean, you already mentioned like LinkedIn and Hunter. What, what else is there that you would so recommend? There, there are a few, um, well, there are a lot actually, but there are a few that, that will really, um, really boost productivity. So the first one that, that you should get like tool-wise is, uh, is of course a CRM tool like HubSpot. So you can start with the free version. Then of course the sales navigator to make sure that you contact the right uh, uh, buying personas. Um, also, Hunter, it's free, get it. And then one, one uh, uh, ace I got in my sleeve, which is also really good, is, um, is a tool called uh, Soapbox. It's from uh, Vistia. So with Soapbox, you can uh, create videos of your screen and uh, like uh, one third of the screen is your face and two thirds is, is your screen you're showing. So that's also really cool for showing them features when they ask for it or even doing outbound. So you can really embed this beautiful in your email. So that looks really good. And uh, Outreach is also a very good tool, powerful for all your sequences. 
I mean, there are thousands, thousands of tools you have just to, 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 to try them out by yourself. Absolutely. And one other important question is not directly related to tools, but where can you actually find good templates, you know, for writing a cold calling script or writing cold emails? Where can you find good templates for, for these areas? So um, make, uh, make sure you have some friends in the, in the SaaS business or any business that you're in that they share templates with you. So most salespeople will do and they will look at your template and, and give you tips about it. So the thing is with, with the templates, um, you never have a template for a very long time because you have to, you know, always, you know, do uh, changes and you have to uh, have industry specific templates. Um, or, you know, the size of the company. So, so you have to, also your template should be very, very targeted already. So you just, you should not have like one general template you send out to everyone, but, uh, you know, a bit, a bit segmented. We'll also make sure that people can find you to ask for your templates. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to ask for, for my templates or to, uh, to, to have me review your template. I think it's really interesting and, and you can learn a lot about, you know, reading different uh, templates. So. When you grow a company, usually you also grow in terms of the sales team. What, what's like the best setup of a sales team as, as soon as you start not being the only one doing sales? So um, I think what you should look for is, is really motivated people. So not always, you know, some, some startups, they, they tend to, you know, to look at real expensive, you know, salespeople that were selling for, you know, two decades in that industry. I mean, it can, it can be good, of course, but um, I mean, you don't have that much money when you start building your sales team. So those people are really expensive. And sometimes it's easier to have someone not very experienced that uh, is able to, to sit in one of our phone booths and uh, start dialing, you know, so um, to have, to have, the right setup, I would, uh, I would start with, uh, with a BDR or SDR, it's called mm -hmm. a sales development rep. So someone that can really, you know, take care of all the inbounds that are coming in. So there, my number one rule is always within five minutes, this person should be called, called, not emailed, called if you can. Because once, when you, when you're filling a form in the internet, it's uh, very likely that you're sitting in front of your PC, you're not in a meeting, so you're available for a call. So just call them. They will appreciate it anyways that you call them. Yeah, and they are super surprised, actually, if you do that. What? I just sent it. Absolutely, absolutely. They're, they're, so it's, you get very positive replies on that. And um, the SDR is also responsible for, you know, um, sending out the sequences, do cold calling, you know, generate business in, in the area. And then when you have a lot of demos that you cannot handle uh, by yourself anymore, it makes sense to, to hire account executives that go there, that close deals, that build up a network in, in their region, you know, attend, uh, attend uh, events, you know, and, and get referrals. That's also a very, very important uh, lead source. Actually, it's the lead source with the highest conversion rate. Ideally, you aim for a, a negative churn rate, right? Uh, absolutely. That would be like the best. <laughs> that would be the, the best thing to happen. Yeah. How, how do you go about generating referrals? Is there any tip that you can give us? Yes. So um, I would always, always, always. Um, so if you have a customer success team, I would, I would give this as a, as a, as a, as a goal for your customer success team to generate referrals, because. If you have a customer success team, they will make sure that your customer is happy with the tool they're using. Exactly. Once they're happy, you can ask for referrals and, and they're happy to do it because they, they like the product. 
Um, even if you're losing a deal, I mean, it happens. You're, you're, you cannot win every single thing you're, you're working on. It, it, it is important to ask them, like, do you know someone in your network that could benefit from this? Or, you know, um, you can tell them, like, hey, we, we recently started. We, uh, we want to speak to more in your industry. Do you know someone at company XY or, or something? Or when, uh, when you have uh, your, your meeting opened and everyone tells about their background and what they did before, you know, if you hear uh, an account name you're working on uh, when they tell about their previous jobs, ask this person like, hey, I'm, I really want to get into this account. Can you help me? Do you, need, do you know someone in there? So, and then you always need to, to you know, you, you will feel if you can do it or not. I mean, if you have a good relation with this person, you can do it. And you can ask them directly for referrals. Yeah. When is actually the right time to ask for referrals? Right after they sign up and become a customer? After your customer success team worked on them and confirmed that they are happy customers and using it? When is like the right timing to ask for that? So there is no recipe here <laughs> again. So sometimes you feel during the process. So we just, we just won a, a bank like uh, two weeks ago. And within this this the selling process, um, the relationship um, with me and 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 the, the buying persona there was so good mm -hmm. that uh, that this person gave gave me referral by by herself. You know, so sometimes you're really lucky that you get referrals thrown at you, right. and sometimes uh, you have to wait until they're onboarded, they use the product, and they're happy with it. Um, but you will feel when, when, when the right time is there to ask for referrals. And when you're losing a deal, I would do it always because there's not much more to lose, right? Right, yeah. Ideally, they just make up for the loss or even yeah. make up more for it than, than you just lost. Yeah. <laughs> so Corona is uh, currently in place, uh, keeping us all busy. What effect does the virus have on your sales process, your sales numbers? So at the beginning, um, it, it, it hit hard, of course. I mean, many things we were working on got postponed into the next quarter. And the, the coronavirus, it, it came in the end of Q1. So a lot of things fell into Q2, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a tragedy because you can just close them the next quarter. Um, but there are also a lot of positive impacts we, we, we feel here at Expensorbot. So, and that's, one thing where, where many, many Swiss startups can benefit from that um, many companies, they, they have now this Zwangsdigitalisierung uh, in German, it's the word. So they have to, they have to switch to, um, to digital tools. So it's, it's a really good time to sell um, SaaS products because uh, they want to have everything on the cloud now. Uh, we even had uh, deals we were working on, and those were like big deals, like uh, thousand plus companies. Uh, they told us that they don't have uh, a laptop they can bring home, so That's <laughs> they crazy. were not able to work at all. Yeah, so it's but a, now it's, they are forced to. There's yes, no way around exactly. it. Yeah. Exactly. So um, you know, companies like Zoom they made a fortune during this Corona crisis, or you know, also Swiss startups like Beekeeper they did really well in this time because you know now they feel they need tools to communicate, they need tools for you know collaboration. So it's a, it's a good time to sell. You know, people they also call you sales champion. That's like your internal. Uh, I heard uh, what people call you internally here. How did you earn that title? What did you do to to get that award? Basically, I closed. <laughs> no, I think um, you know. I think um, it's because 
I, I, I never studied anywhere, so I just did a, a normal Kaufau later, a commercial apprenticeship. Then I got into sales. And you know, I was, I was really, I was a, a BDR, SDR level. So I had like a super low salary back then. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, to, to prove them that, that I can, you know, that, that someone uh, without a university degree can also, you know, be a good salesperson. And then I, I worked my way up to uh, till senior account executive where I was working on, on big global deals. And I think one of the reasons why, why they gave me this title was also because I, I was able to, to close the deals that I was working on. And that's because I always do everything I can to, to close the deal. I also close deals uh, when I already got the email that it's lost. I, I close them as one. How did you make that happen? You just told them like, I'll do everything to, to, <laughs> to win this, or I, I will not let, uh, I will not, uh, let this happen because, uh, I really want to work with you. And is there any, any way that we can do it? And <clears throat> sometimes you're lucky they will involve another person or you, you know, but I'm, I'm a super optimistic person and I'm sure that there's always a way, you know, to, to work with, with those companies you want to work with. So there is some way, maybe it's a pilot, maybe it's not the, uh, you know, the full deal, sure. but you gotta have your, you know, your foot in the doorstep. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so is there any like last sales tip that you can give to our listeners that you haven't shared yet? Yeah. So I think, um, be, be honest, of course, be yourself. I mean, that's really important. Uh, don't, don't make any show because they will notice. So you got to really love what you're doing. So the best salespeople I've met, they were all, you know, super excited about the product they sell. And a meeting, if you have a meeting on site, it should always feel like you're going to, you know, you're there in a, in a sports field, you're doing sports, you know, you, you want to win this. It's like, a, it's like a sprint now. And um, if you have this feeling, I think it, it will all go well. But you have to really love it. If you if you don't love it, you 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 might not be successful at it. But I mean, I've seen people. They told me that they don't like doing sales. And you know, once you get this, you know, you you start closing deals, you get this motivation. So. Absolutely. You know, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he was our CTO back at the startup. Uh, he once said, like, all the good salespeople, they say, say that they actually don't like doing sales, but they are actually super good at it. <laughs> but it's true, actually. A lot of technical guys uh, say they, uh, uh, they don't like selling. And uh, here I can uh, also <laughs> mention Davis, our CTO again. He's like a super good salesperson. And that's because, um, you know, those people are often very, very honest. And they love what they do. And Davis loves our product and everything around it. So he's really good in, in selling it, of course. Yeah. yeah. And people can feel it. Absolutely. You know, it makes a Absolutely. difference. So also for you, we have some rapid fire questions for the end. Uh, we also start with night or morning person. So I, I already heard Melanie's answer that, that you got to be both. And uh, she's totally right. And uh, I'm more a night person than a morning person. You close more deals at night? Well, <laughs> I am that kind of person the customer wants me to be. So if I got to be there early in the morning, I'll be there. But of course, I prefer uh, working uh, in the night than in the morning. Got it. Happiness or wealth? So I will reply here with both. And um, But that, that you have to explain. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so 
You know, you can be happy without having, you know, wealth. And, and you can also be wealthy without, you know, being happy, obviously. And uh, I, I will always be a happy person, no matter how my bank account looks. I mean, uh, I've earned a lot of money. I've earned no money at all. And uh, I've earned, you know, average salaries. And I, I was always happy. So I choose both here. So it's not directly linked together. No, it's not linked together. I mean, you can be happy and wealthy. <laughs> Absolutely. Close till or happy customer? That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, it does. It depends. It depends. But you wouldn't like close, just close a client if they're not happy, right? Well, if they're not happy, they will churn anyway. And you maybe risk a bad reputation. So in that case, I would not, you know, close. But um, yeah, you, I would, uh, again, take both. Close the happy customers. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, also for you, black or gray? Yeah, I had, I had, I had, when I heard this question first, I had to Google it actually. And I would take gray because it's more, you know, like more balanced than black. Okay, fair point. And speed or patience for you? Speed. 100%, especially 100%, in sales. Yes. Yeah. It's all about momentum. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun, Lars. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add to today's episode? No, it was a pleasure. And uh, I hope that uh, people were able to, to take something uh, with from this episode. And uh, of course, I'm, uh, I'm really happy to chat about sales or, you know, I'm always happy to connect with uh, people from the Swiss uh, startup community. In a year from now, we'll ask the Swiss Post how many shoes that they deliver, Exactly. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking Thank the time. You, it was a pleasure and all the best for your future and happy closing. Thanks. Thank you all. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content, we would be thrilled to receive your rating on Apple Podcasts. That way you not only support Swisspreneur, but also help other entrepreneurs discovering the show and finding more valuable information on how to run their businesses. Next week, we will already be back with an all new episode of the Swisspreneur Show. So we hope to see you again then for a new episode.